0: Today, re-release of Brandy Carlisle's episode. Actually, Brandy Carlisle has been on like twice. Why is why am I such good friends with Brandy Carlisle? The, I'm putting out into the universe that we're friends. By universe, I mean specifically to Brandy. I can't wait to see you when you're on tour. So invite me. Um, anyway, hey, you know what else? Speaking of people being on tour, you want to come see me in Los Angeles on May 6th or in Vancouver on May 5th? 28th? Great. I want that too. Please come to these shows, CameronEsposito.com slash tour hyphen dates, I think. Why? is? It? Just go to the website. I also want to thank all my Patreon patrons. You're the coolest. You make this show possible. Why do I love you? For a million reasons. But hey, do you want to support this show and make sure it continues to come into your ear pods, AirPods, earbuds, headphones? Maybe you're not listening with headphones. Your car? Maybe maybe you're just playing it in the middle of the office. No one's in the office anymore, so you're alone and playing this podcast into the void where you work. Maybe you're just in your backyard and... Okay, stop. Patreon.com slash HeyQueeros. You can support this show. It really, really makes it possible for the show to happen. And I want to thank Robin Moxley, Beck, Chantel McClelland, Leslie Goditis, Francine Belbina, Paula Vodowski, Aiden Peterson, Rachel McIntyre, Tanya Josic, Brittany Carlson, LaVon Sawake, Stacey M, Kevin Fry, Chloe Vicker, Audrey Rower, Bobby Dalmer, Katie Gagliardo, Carrie Boland, Jessica Lustig, Danny Elkhorn, Liesl Jensen, Jennifer Grind, Lisa Dornbush, Fiona, Mara Bara, Amy A, Catherine Michaels, and my mom, Brenda, who's also a Patreon patron of this show. Goodbye.
1: I've been feeling wrong If I'm stolen
0: I always have people introduce themselves Will you introduce yourself on this podcast.
1: I will. I am Brandy Carlisle. Yes. And I am a singer-songwriter and producer from Seattle and author, and you, I guess, too. If,
0: I'm sorry. I talked over the end. What was the end?
1: <laughs> I said an author, end? I guess, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, you are. You are. I, uh, so we've done this before. We actually had previously had a chat, and I hadn't gotten your book in time. Um, but then, but then, but then, because I got your book afterwards, it did come with a special note from you, and a, um, that note was paper clipped onto the book with a paper clip that was shaped like a guitar. That yeah. was really important to me. <laughs> okay, Both the personal so note You're the, only only one that's, the paper clip.
1: You're the only one that's ever noticed that detail, and thank you for that. I'm glad we're doing this again, because I me think too. what we learned in that last... Discussion that we had is how much we have in common, and now it's kind of a whole new world. So I'm really excited about this.
0: Yeah, I think we have a lot in common, and it was really cool reading more about. um, I don't know, just reading more about like. Well, okay. So I I said this before we started talking, just to you personally, um, before we started talking for the podcast. That I like, (laughs) I like dogeared a bunch of pages of the book like a big nerd, (laughs) and I underlined and I and I. And there's so much stuff that I want to cover. You know what I'm going to start with, though? Okay, it's like the, go It's ahead. like sort of from the end. Um, your voice. I want to start by talking about your voice and how much trouble you have had vocally. Oh, because okay. I know that's such a weird place to start, but um, I uh, started doing improv in college. Okay. And, you know, you're not even miked. You're just projecting. Yeah. And I learned how to perform that way. And Mm -hmm. I blew out my voice and had like vocal nodules that then had to, I had to be on steroids a bunch of times and have voice rest. Mm -hmm. And I had to, you know, eventually I um, learned, you know, I use a microphone now, so that's a little bit better. And I try to do other things to rest my voice, but I think that I just want to make sure that we cover this because there's going to be other stuff that we talk about, but I will say that that, when you were talking about your voice going in and out and having trouble keeping your voice healthy, um, that sounded so scary to me. Because mm-hmm. as I found out that I, was, that I loved comedy and wanted to do it, this was happening in concert with not knowing whether or not I would continue to have a voice that worked. <laughs> I imagine and that it was would such really a strange affect- experience.
1: Yeah. God, I imagine it would really affect what you do like your timing and the way that you're delivering something and that you would really need to kind of control over your sort of volume and 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 that that could potentially be a real make or break thing.
0: Yeah, it turns out that when when one chooses a um profession that is that is audible, it's like really important to be able to then uh, speak and do that thing. Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you if what that was like if that was if that was scary going through some ups and downs in terms of being able to use your voice the way that you wanted to.
1: Yeah, it was really scary because it's also just counterintuitive to my personality too, you know, being tough and capable is really really important to me and as I get older I get a little better at that hang up. But you know, I was the kid that would like hurt myself and then hide it. Like no matter how bad it was so last thing i wanted was for you know the part of myself that i that i project my voice to to expose that i was you know hurting or not capable and it was a major problem psychologically it was a major problem physically and it became an achilles heel where if my voice was whole i was happy if my voice wasn't whole i was fundamentally unhappy and there was no gray area so it sucked Wow. And I felt like I couldn't tell anyone no. I felt like I couldn't let anyone down and I couldn't let anyone see that I was having problems. So I took steroids like yeah. we like we do when we have vocal problems. Not knowing that that was making it worse and it was messing with my head. And it was also just, you know, a bad life plan.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think I was especially impacted. It was especially impactful to read that because that sort of went hand in hand with um you know you're like known for having this like very explosive power i don't know words in singing so allow so if i so if anything doesn't make any sense i don't know words in singing okay cool i got you <laughs> if anything, but no it's true you know what what the the um i would call it a, a classic goosebump moment you know what i mean <laughs> uh Where you're, where you're listening, where you're listening yield goosebumps. And um, so I feel like when I was thinking about that for you, especially, I also um, sort of perform that way with a big explosive bit of power. And I think some of that um, is also related to how I feel I am offstage, which is kind of small and kind of vulnerable, you know, Mm -hmm. like I feel like a, I'm like a little guy and Uh, On stage, I'm very big, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, Do you you have that feeling at all? Do you feel different on stage when you're having that explosive power versus in your daily life? Or do you always feel like that? I mean, I think I'm kind of big
1: everywhere as an adult. I just, I'm always like, "Ah, I like attention, I'm an entertainer, and I like, you know, to walk into a room and talk to everybody. And I'm just like, I'm cool with that. But projecting confidence and vocalizing is like so just foundational to like who I am um so I could I can understand why you have a a stage persona or like a a way sort of a tactic and then another a whole other way that you that you see yourself I think it's really fascinating um I have an athletic voice. So like my worst nightmare is an audience full of me's, like people sitting out there going, I wonder if she can really hit that note in real life. Like, (laughs) I wonder if this is really possible. Like, okay, we're about to find out in T minus three seconds, you know? And because that's what I would do as a kid. Like my mom would let me stay up to watch the Grammys because I wanted to see if Whitney was gonna get there in that moment that we've all been listening to on the radio. Is it really physically possible or is there some trick happening in the studio? And right. I know that's that there's, I don't have an audience full of me's, but that's my worst nightmare. And that's what I think is
0: happening. Well, that's really interesting that you'd say that because I don't know. I mean, to me, I feel like in some ways we've sort of gotten away from that. Well, there are very successful musical acts that we don't have that expectation of. Yeah. Right. But then there's like you. <laughs> So, if you're doing like the story or if you're doing the joke, exactly. you know, you are you telling me I'm right? Because that's what I think. Yeah. Okay. No, I just, I think it's, I think there are plenty of people who don't set them, who, who don't, um, I don't know that everybody's like a vocalist. Right. Right. Yeah. That's like not the vibe. No. Some people are doing a totally different thing. Yeah. Doing a totally different thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I would imagine then that it is really wild to... I mean, you talk about that in the book, but you talk about performing at the Grammys and um, having that expectation
1: Mm -hmm. of myself and then thinking everyone else has that expectation of me too. You know, I've definitely had to do some language work and some, uh, like, hypnotherapy and stuff to get out of thinking that. But then I... Do it every time. Every time mm-hmm. I create the moment in the story, every time I write the joke, I do a, I do a like blue ribbon moment that I know everyone's gonna sit there and watch me do. And I don't know why I keep doing it, but I'll, I don't know if if there'll if there'll come an age where I stop doing that when I write my next big song. But like my next song that I'm coming out with has an even worse one than I've ever done before. So. Ah. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing, but though. that's like, what I loved so, growing up, so you, you know, you talked about that moment of singing the joke at the Grammys. Um, so with like such detail that I went and watched it a bunch of times <laughs> um, <laughs> just because like, I, I don't know if I like had just forgotten what that anyway. I went and watched it a bunch of times and it's pretty great because one thing that happens is that it cuts to Post Malone and he's like, he's like, yeah, exact- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've watched yeah. it a couple times too. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he does such a respectful <laughs> nod. Like, because you, I think you said in the, in the book, I think you said that, like, lot from your vantage point, your experience was that Janelle Monae stood up and and had your back, and then the room mm-hmm. sort of followed Janelle's lead. Yeah, that's um, what happened. so that was very funny in the footage, right? Which is so different than your experience as a performer. It's like one of the one of the main people that it cuts to is Post balloon. but that is very cute in its own way. Yeah, because like again, talk about people that are doing pretty different things to see that validation. How does that feel to you to watch that? Uh,
1: it it's great. I mean, he backstage he gave me like a a slow nod and like a mid level <laughs> high five too. So it was like real acceptance <laughs> there. Um, it, when I watch it, I think to myself, okay. So like for instance, you know, when you go for that the big note thing, right? The thing I wrote about in the book in such detail, it's like a leap, like a like a figure skater would take, and you're like your breath is held about whether or not they're going to sort of stick the landing, mm-hmm. right? And um. I remember the moment deciding not to care whether I stuck the landing. And that was like the first time in my life I've ever made that split life flashes before your eyes decision. And when I see the recording of it, I didn't really, it falls apart at the end and it gets screamy and it's not musical and it's just, Mm. it's just adrenaline and gratitude and I'm okay with it, you know? And that's kind of where that's how I feel when I see it. I'm like, you know what? I'm okay that I decided to let go right there instead of stick the landing.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> like I love that. I love that. I love that acceptance and um and love. And I I also think it's interesting. Not to make the entire interview about Post Malone, but it is interesting because, you know, something else that you were talking about a lot in your relationship with men, very different from my relationship with men. Um, How? I will tell you. Okay. So, you know, y- you sort of talk a lot about your bandmates and a brotherhood relationship and, like, a sort of mutual respect thing, but then you're the leader. I mean, you even talk about, like, it's like a band, but the band is called Brandy Carlisle, you know, yeah. and—, and You're clearly the, you're the one everybody knows Um, Mm -hmm. and you have this, you know, long-term kinship with the folks in your band. But then even as you're sort of talking about other guys that you know or have worked with, um, different producers, there's like a real, um, like it seems like brotherhood is something that you experience with men hmm And I don't really have that experience. Oh. Yeah. Um, I find that, you know, and it could be, like, the types of guys that do my job. Yeah. That's what I Maybe think. versus just the types of guys that do your job. But, like, I think there was a lot of time when I was younger and I was trying to succeed in comedy where I felt like I had to sort of pretend that I had a brotherly relationship with a lot of men that I worked with. Mm. Um hmm because it felt like that would help me get ahead. Like, I didn't want to, um, I didn't totally feel accepted. Not totally. I did not feel accepted. But I thought, if I fake that I do, right. <laughs> that will be better than saying that I don't. Mm-hmm. Then I would say, you know, over time, I started saying that I that I didn't. But one thing I didn't ever do was um, lean into community with women. This has been, like, a very new practice of mine. Oh, wow. I, have okay. a group of women that I've met, like, for lunch on just Zoom mm-hmm. um, twice a week for the whole pandemic. And they're, like, really awesome, cool, badass, successful women. And only in going regularly to this group have I realized that, like, I'm really afraid of women. I Men, I know I what to do. love you're admitting that. Yeah. Like, men, I know what to do, which is sort of pretend that things are fine, not really tell them the truth, and then, like, leave the situation <laughs> but with women that's not entirely healthy but you know <laughs> Randy, it's no I would say it's not healthy at all but um but uh well okay all right hang on a second I'll pause there for a minute I mean how did how do you, do you want to tell me how to do it then how do how I does one form lasting relationships with men
1: I don't you, know to do t- you touched on it and I think that's that's what I think you touched on it and I think you're correct. I think if, it, you, for one thing, what you do so well, by the way, um, is kind of a solitary pursuit. You know, you don't need a band and you don't need a crew. And you, there's things about you that aren't so, or, or about what you do that aren't. And there are some, maybe some things about the upper echelons of your industry or about the administrative part of your industry that I don't understand. And you feel free to enlighten me. But in, in my industry, if I were, say, a sportscaster, I don't think I would have a, a brotherhood relationship with the men that do, that do what I do. But there are no cool musicians. We were all beat up on emotionally. We were all picked on. We are all weird. That's why we ever played an what? instrument. Usually we were by ourselves a lot. You don't. The time it takes to get good at something like that, and nobody when you're in school, if you're a man thinks it's cool that you're like playing an acoustic guitar and singing, you know? So all these wow. guys have come from this place and they may be able to pull it off in a magazine shoot or in a music video, but they're not going to convince me that they were ever cool. Oh my and God. so it's, it. there is a little bit of a, of a kinship in our shared misfitness, but,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I will say this about my relationship with men is that like, it's important to give men credit. That's really, really important. And that's something that I have really struggled with. I don't, I don't think it should be as important as it is to be, to be honest with you.
0: um, mm. Sometimes. Wait, Tell me more about what to give men credit for your relationships or in your relationships. I think in, in um, our relationships and I'm not
1: talking about the twins because they would never ask for or need credit for anything because they're fucking angels. Um, but, there's just a thing where I, I do find that men find it difficult to be usurped by oh, women yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I know the answer. I have to act like I don't know the answer. But fundamentally at the end of the day, I'm like, I love the men I work with, I appreciate them, but they can get behind me because that's that's the shape of this vehicle is I'm I'm in the front of it. And I don't I don't mean for that to sound bullish, but that's that's who we all are. And they're all they're all good with it. And that's our that's what our relationship is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I so I so understand what you're talking. I mean, I have a dude manager, and um I know he really believes in me and and we have a great relationship. So it's not that I don't and that's positioned the way you're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. his job is to be like is to back me up. Yeah, exactly. I think. I think that um, when I was reading about your relationship with the twins specifically, I was just thinking, like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I can't believe that she has this in her life. Like, I just, I can't. It's cool. I don't know. You know, it, I think something that has that was very scary for me, as I, like, figured out that I was queer, I also think for a long time I sort of, like, kept men around who... Um, like, maybe they thought we had more in common than I did because I just wanted to have, like, dudes in my life. Like, I just, nobody, there's no um, framework in culture that tells you that you can be okay without that. I mean, yeah, you know. That's so true. Even when we're, like, written into movies, it's like, and here's my dude best friend. I'm like, <laughs> I, who is that character in my life? You know, so yeah. I, I think I have always had dude best friends. I really have. Um, until recently. And, uh. It's been very interesting finding that, like, I think some of that was also just a fear of of, um, of women because I think I thought maybe I wasn't enough of a woman to be in that group. I get it. I'm yeah. curious about that because you have relationships with so many powerful women. I mean, that's the, you know, like the people that you know or have done or have done music with they're like the greats that especially especially the women and what's that like for you what's that experience like for you well i'm a really driven but really
1: non-competitive person and um i feel like my relationships with women have just been for the most part pretty respectful and respectable you know we're not we're not really competing with each other in the same way and for the same things. And sometimes my queerness has actually really helped me in proximity with mm-hmm. women because they're like, oh, you're a different animal. And I am a little bit of a different animal. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but it does. it's, that's never really translated to me being, um, like afraid of women, but I do get afraid of women in big groups when I'm, the the only queer one, I get, like, slumber party trauma. I don't know if that happens to you.
0: <laughs>
1: like, locker room I would trauma. love to hear
0: more, please. And I, totally I don't know because
1: mean. I'm working it out yeah. as I say it. Um, yeah. But it's not too long before I feel really different.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's some of what I'm talking about, too, is, like, mm-hmm. it's... um Right, so this group of women that I've been having lunch with um is everybody's really glamorous and Uh, and everybody seems to really know how to be a woman yes in the in the way that a magazine does yeah and it seems to be so effortless um and it's actually been really cool because i have actually i've been able to talk about this with these women you know be like I feel like such a goon here. Like, I feel like a little kid sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then other times I feel like I'm going to get caught. <laughs> and, and, Same push it out the door uh (laughs) I know I'll be like
1: oh my god they're 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 like there's some they'll be showing empathy towards another one of the women in the group and they'll all start to like get misty in this beautiful way where nothing (laughs) changes about their face and I'm like oh they're they're crying quick look emotional like you know do do, do something feminine and I'm just like oh they're there you know (laughs) do you not cry are you not a crier I will cry, but not in normal times. And that's okay. The thing. I, it's like <laughs> vomiting. It's like you you don't want to cry and you don't want to puke. And they both kind of look and feel the same to me. So, like, it's not something that comes easy to me. I'm so unevolved. Like, I need to do some work before I turn 50.
0: <laughs> I, I, Brandy, I have so much excitement for you. I only started crying just a few years ago, and now I cry constantly. Um, and it's—the water's very warm. Over here oh my in constantly town, so you know, give yeah. it a
1: shot. I know, I've got to figure it out. It's I'm very northern. I'm very, I'm almost uh, Canadian. So just keep that in mind.
0: I will. I will. I'll yeah. keep it in mind. Um, there's a thing that you were talking about in here uh, about dresses. I wish I could. I want to find the quote that you said about dresses. Oh, here it is. It's like your a little caption on a photo. Mm -hmm. Speaking of this, it's all relevant to this moment in the convo. There's a little caption on a photo where it says um, being put in the dress is the only way to break my confidence. And I know the last time we talked, we sort of talked about, you know, clothes and what we wear and everything. But I just thought that that was such a um, it was such an interesting way of framing it. Because for me, you know, like I I have worn a dress And felt, like, fine. I don't know. It wasn't, like, it didn't feel like scratchy wool that couldn't be on my skin. (laughs) But it really, I think the confidence thing that you point to there, um, the break of confidence, I just thought that was a very, like, a really nice framing that I hadn't really heard a bunch before. It's like, yeah, we deserve to wear the clothes that make us feel the most confident. Um, And I thought that was really... I thought that was really beautiful and it's like dresses are weird it, it, they're made well a lot of you know
1: specifically gender specific like women's attire is made to destabilize like you can't walk as fast or as gracefully or or you know as as um a man can when you're wearing high heels and you can't sit the way that a man can when you're wearing a dress or run or be active or walk up the stairs and not wonder, you know, who's down beneath you. It's like, there's so much that's destabilizing about that kind of attire. And I wonder sometimes if it's on purpose, but it definitely feels like that, you know, when I wear it, the only person that can make me feel comfortable and confident in like a dress or really overtly feminine clothing is Catherine. She can make me feel really confident about it.
0: I mean, number one, that's adorable. And number two, it's funny because I don't even know. It's like the way you describe this, it's like, that's totally how I feel. And then I think for other people, that's just absolutely not their experience. Like, that's it's so specific, you know, like somebody else might say... Well, no, it's like my legs feel free and I can like move through. I, this is not, I've never felt this way. <laughs> no, it's meant to destabilize you.
1: You can't do the same things other human beings can do when you dress that way. I'm just joking.
0: <laughs> you know, it's just like how how individual all of the, these experiences are. You know? I know. Like, um, I know. I just, well, we were talking right before uh, we started recording that you were asking,
1: because I was I just asking you did you yes. just get married in the best suit I've ever seen in my life? <laughs> yes, yes you did. I did
0: just get married. And thank you. And um for the suit compliment. I it, it was interesting my 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 spouse Katie um she wore her mom's wedding dress which was first of all Amazing and very fun. She was excited to wear it. And also, yeah, she looked so good. And also, like, even that's a whole thing because she was like, you know, if we take photos together and like you're wearing this and then I'm wearing this, plus also racism exists and I'm half Japanese. And like, then everybody looks at these photos and they're like, oh, we understand what's going on here. And they like stamp it. And then that's like indelibly placed. In their minds, and then that's just who we are for the rest of time. And yep. I, you know, I just felt like so proud of her, actually, that she went forward with wearing what she wanted to wear because. Totally. You know, like for the the opposite of the way I feel about, you know, like any constraints are everywhere, is, I guess is what I'm trying to yes. say. Yes, I know. All, it's all, Uh, you know, we're all boxed in and it was really cool to watch her. You know, sort of like feel more and more confident about herself as, you know, the days were passing and she was thinking more about wearing this versus something else. It was, yeah. it was pretty cute.
1: and not it amazing actually. the amount of time we have to spend thinking about what we're going to wear, how it defines us oh in proximity to our partners and stuff. like? It's just amazing. What It's going to be such an incredible story to tell in 20 years. And when our kids are just going to be scratching their heads like, God, you guys had to think about that. But no, we do. We think we all think about this. I just and and you know, for the record, you guys looked rad. I'm just going to say rad. (laughs) I'm not even going to use all the other stuff. I'm going to use my own queer word. You guys were rad.
0: Yeah, it was. I thought we looked cool, too, but yeah. When you were talking about uh, Elton, and I know we talked about Elton last time and your relationship, but also this, like, sort of style icon um, vibe, I cannot find the page right now where you were mentioning it. But I was realizing that, like, you know, again, in terms of positioning, like, overall positioning, I actually Mm -hmm. really identify with, like, a... What we would, I think, in culture think was an effeminate man more than any more than a, a butch woman. Mm. I'll give you an example. Like, I picked a ring for my wedding, I'll show you. It's right here, and it is oh, cool, fancy. That's it amazing. has diamonds. It is yeah. like, and I, um, I picked it because it feels like. What, like, a prince would have. Either a prince or prince. (laughs) And to me, that felt like the right um, expression. And I didn't know, you know, I just didn't know. I don't think we got to this the last time, but I just didn't know, thinking about you um, wearing the honky cat suit, which Mm -hmm. was white and, like, a very flamboyant outfit. And then, like, the flamboyance that you still Sometimes wear um, clothing that that fall in falls in that category. Like that's an expression of a softness to to me when yeah. I do it of a softness to my gender that like doesn't exist in a dress. Like in a dress, I almost feel like a hard businesswoman that's like going to a business <laughs> yeah. lunch. Yeah, my totally. softness is like a pink suit, you know, like, like a hard businesswoman. You know, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. God, do I get it?
1: You do. That feels right. That that, that. I, I get what you're saying completely, yeah. and I can see that kind of about you, like kind mm. of you know radiating from you. And I, you're, I think you're such a unique person that is just so quintessentially you. But because I know the roadmap and I can deconstruct, you know, the path of your, you know, that you're a fashion icon of your oh, sensibilities around. Yeah, I mean, listen. When you can have a a um a black and white, you know, silhouette of someone hand drawn, and like Elvis Presley or like you, and you know who that person <laughs> is, they're a fashion icon. Uh, so okay, um, right. and your ring is is really next level. But um, I would I w- I'm not trying to categorize you, but I could guess that about you because that's what I that's the vibe that I get from you, and huh. I like it. I'm here for it. And what, you are like you are like a prince, you know. In oh, way. thank you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> where where what is that? How does that fall with you today? Like, could you wear that honky cat suit today and feel comfy? Sure, I am getting
1: um, more and more. Um, I guess I'm going to overuse the word fluid. It's a buzzword, but throughout my life, you know, I've there's been there've been moments yeah. in my life where I felt really just like looking like a boy. And I didn't want to answer to anything else. And then there are moments in my life where I needed to really embrace like extreme femininity. And I still don't know why I've gone through these stages and phases, but I love, I look back on them and I feel really, really proud and content with each one of them. It's one of these places where I have this kind of weird amount of security and I don't know why. Um, But I'm comfortable with that neutrality and how it's changed. As I get older, where I think I see myself a little bit now is um, I'm such like a mom person that I'm kind of starting to become like my grandmother, who's similar to Elton, (laughs) incidentally, And that like my grandmother was just, we, we said little guy and big, she was just big. She just had like a presence, you know, and she wasn't really very feminine. But she loved purple, and she liked her long earrings, and she liked a certain amount of flamboyance. But it, it wasn't it wasn't like gay man flamboyance either. It was like, I don't know, old lady flamboyance or something. Oh, like, my God. That is yes. starting to sort of like settle into my soul. Oh my like, God. I may not get out of my gardening pants, but I also may wear a really blingy necklace today kind of thing. It's like, I'll tell you what sums it up is how oh, we're doing rings right now. Okay, so... Yeah. Here is my, where's the camera? Here's my wedding ring. It's just a Uh platinum band. Me and Catherine have matching ones because we've been pretty anti-jewelry for a lot of our lives. But I just turned 40. And Elton, who I always wondered if I was like glamorous enough to be Elton's friend. I'll be really honest with you. I have idolized him since I was such a little child. But I always thought, I don't know if Elton has like a lot of like frumpy awkward lesbian friends and i'm not sure that like you know he would really embrace that and when he switched from phone calls to facetime he started facetiming me a while ago and i wouldn't answer unless i had like makeup on and i'm like why am i doing this you know until he read the book and then i was like it's just time you know to for me to to be myself to like my hero you know so my birthday rolls around last week and he buys me this ring and I don't know if you can see it but it's it's oh, a yeah. square and it's got diamonds too but it's there's like a um a matte to it wow and and he gave it to me and and he was like I've never felt so seen by someone so significant in my life he's like yeah you know it's not the kind of ring I would normally buy someone he's like but You're different. So it's square. And I was just like, whatever I am, he gets it. So I feel like, um, I feel really sort of seen by that. I love my square ring. And now I wear it behind (laughs) my, it's my only jewelry. I love that. It's beautiful. I wear it behind my wedding ring so it doesn't fly off of my gay hands.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love this so much. Um, Yeah. Your birthday was last week. Yeah, I turned forty. I'm gonna be forty in October. Oh, do it! Do the forty thing. Are you feeling all contemplative, like me? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I think for me, it's it's interesting. We're I'm one thing that's on my mind a ton is kids um, Mm -hmm. because. I'm, You know, I married—and listeners to this podcast know this, so it's not like—I married somebody who's, like, um, whose bod might not be the best place for a child to grow. And oh. I always thought, like, Katie just deals with some chronic health stuff, and okay. she's a boss, she's got an awesome job, all of her shit's in line, she's—everything's taken care of. And— I always thought that there was going to be, like, some, like, magical person (laughs) that, like, flew into my life Mm -hmm. and that, like, kids were sort of sorted out. Um, Right. And I know for you, kids happened, like, but, like, you know, what I would think of in the entertainment industry is, like, pretty early almost, you know, because, like. Oh. When when did you have your first, how old were you? 33. I still think like many people that I know, many many women that I know that are like, say, if they want to be actors or whatever, they're like trying to get to a certain place of sure status before their bod can go through that thing. And I and I know that um, it might not be different if you're if you're like the parent that isn't going to carry versus the parent that's going to carry. Sure. But I always thought I would be the parent that wouldn't carry, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if I might be the parent that's going to carry. Um Ooh, this is such a good conversation. That is. So that I bring all of this up because that is mashing up against my 40th birthday, you know, in that like this is no longer like a theoretical question (laughs) for Mm -hmm. like for like joking around times and dinners with friends. This is like this is like the real shit, you know, like you got to you got to get on this. Right. Um, And you seem to be somebody who's. You know, just been able to sort of integrate a bunch of different things, live the life that you want with a family and have the career that you want. Um, how much did you freak out before making this choice? To have kids? Yeah. Like,
1: like in when, when you chose uh, to do it? Well, you know, the process of starting to actually go and find out like about viability and all those kinds of things gets it started for me anyway. And then throughout the entire process and a couple of years after. Even it was a total intense freak out. And like, I totally and completely blame, you know, our society for not giving us any kind of responsible representation or imaging in pop culture, TV, music, et cetera, et cetera, to help us normalize what this would look like or feel like if, if, you know, having kids fell outside of our acceptable norms that we, you know, have adopted, whether we want to admit that we have or not. It's big. And it gets you every step of the way when you do not think it will. And so it's interesting. I'm so fascinated that, you know, that you might carry, I mean, I would obviously have more astute observations for the person that didn't carry and wanted to, um, or didn't carry and didn't know that there were parts of them that wanted to, that they were going to have to contend with or whatever. Mm. But the whole thing is an in, it's turning yourself inside out. It just turns you, you turn yourself inside out and um, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I wouldn't go back for anything either.
0: And so it's a thing wow. where
1: you really have to give this like thing some thought, but it's not daunting. It's like it happens. happened to me and I was like of course this happened in my life of course this is what it was going to take and to get for me to be here you know um and it's it's just fucking beautiful and brilliant and funny god there's a lot of like laughing and then just painful (laughs) yeah I Did, did that say anything at all or or did it say all the things I
0: said a lot. You covered a lot of things. (laughs) I mean, I feel like. Well, I do feel, I guess in some ways, you know, what you're talking about, about the representation thing, like how, you know, buzzwordy could that possibly be? But then when it's actually happening inside your real life. Yep. You know, I mean, that it's. I just think, you know, like just that 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 it all started with like Googling in my particular life because as many queer people as I know, I don't know a lot of people that have been through this process. Yeah, um me. Either. Like I know some I know a lot of blended families. Mm-hmm. I don't know people that were like, there's not there's not there's no sperm in this, <laughs> there's no sperm in this family. Yeah. Good luck. You know, I don't yeah. that's I don't I don't have a ton of those people in my life. Uh-huh. Some, but not a ton. And so, you know, it's it starts with like yeah, random Googles, which is, like, a very funny thing to be like, how how is this how I'm starting this process, you know? So starting with random Googles, like, how does one, what are the things? What are the steps? What are the, what's near me, you know? And then um, going to, I, like, went to a gynecologist and got, you know, all of the, like, tests for. Oh, cool. You started that. To be like, Where's your, where are your hormones at and everything? And I just kept waiting for someone to be like, look, no, you can't do this. <laughs> like, number one, look at you. Number two, this is not the right environment. Like, like, just anything. I kept waiting for, because it wasn't something I imagined for myself, I kept waiting for mm-hmm. the big door to be slammed in my face. And instead, all of the, it was like thumbs ups along the way which that's great surprising to me and we'll i mean we'll see right but like just very surprising because um so i guess it it feels a little bit like right now where i'm at is like i feel so scared of the actual process Mm. yeah
1: i get it i totally get it do you want to do it
0: Oh, I mean, I definitely want to have small humans mm-hmm. I what you're talking about this purple this wearing purple and motherhood thing, yeah, I vibe that that sounds
1: nice god it's it is it is nice I just you know the way they see you and the way you see yourself, the way that becomes fused it's just like the way I appreciate myself so much more because of how much they appreciate me. I would never be as critical or as mean to myself or my body or my mind as I was before because they wouldn't dream of it, you know? Wow. And it's like, really, that's real radical acceptance is is mm. those those babies, but... I don't want to be like one of those fucking straight people that's like I didn't exist until I had children. I didn't know who I was. Everybody must do it. If you are sleeping at night, you're not my friend. Um, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> sure. You know, not sorry. No, no offense, straight people, but they recruit. Yes. Um, and I would never recruit. Like, I wouldn't ever say that it's not really complicated, and um, and that I, it's also just everything. It's just everything. Um, Hmm. I think it's interesting. I guess your thing you're trying to contend with is like, do you want to be pregnant and have children that way? Only you know that answer to that. I thought you knew the answer to that, Brandy. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I can tell you. All I can tell you is about my experience, which is that I really always believed I did. And, I mean, really believed that it. it was, like, all I could think about at one point. The gynecologist trip you're talking about, like, I was taking those biannually just... And I was getting lots of thumbs up and things were going great, but I, I wasn't in the right relationship and I was going to do it by myself. And when I met Catherine and fell in love with Catherine and everything in my world totally blew wide open and changed and nothing made sense anymore, um, it was like, no, it's actually this is this is her. This, she's going to do this. And the way that I think I made peace with myself initially about it was, okay, she's going to do this the first time, and then I'm going to do it the second time. And this is, again, situation-specific. So, yeah. But when we started the IVF, when we harvested my eggs for cath to carry, I took a bunch of hormones and drugs where my body convinced itself it was pregnant in a significant way. And when the hormones were gone and the eggs were gone, it didn't feel that my body didn't feel that intense drive to be pregnant anymore. It was like in some way it had already happened. Yeah. And then there's this baby here too. So it all just kind of made sense. And when the next one, yeah. And when it was time for the next one to be born, I was like, nah, cool. Yeah, you do it again. First time it was really painful in a lot of ways, though, in all kinds of jealousy and grief and stuff I just never expected to creep into my life. Really infiltrated. But with the help of reaching out to people and saying, Am I crazy for feeling this way? Or do other queer people feel this way? People were like, No, you're not crazy. Come on in. Here's the truth. Here's the subtext. This is what you didn't see. Because unfortunately, your mind has been Googling the answers to this on an inactive database since you were born, Mm -hmm. whether we know it or not. And you don't really know it till you're in the shit. And then you're like, oh, my God, my mind cannot conceptualize this because of
0: where I've been raised. Wow, that's wild. I'm super—I've never heard anybody say that about the, like, IVF uh, egg harvesting time. I I know people that have been through that even, but I don't know. I've never heard anybody—that makes so much sense, right? Because you're— yeah. That's. I think that's one thing that has been with me for a while is that, you know, like knowing that I want to raise children and then I feel like I've been super aware of my like biological <laughs> clock for a very long time, um, partially because actually for like an unusual reason, I think, which is that my mom and her siblings had kids when they were 39, 40 and 41 Okay. And my parents are—I mean, that they're like in their seventies now. So at the time, that was a very—that was like super geriatric pregnancy. Like that's you know, like I hate that term, still, right? But yeah, that was it, like at the time it was yeah. like like my little sister, you know, all of her friends' parents are like fifteen years younger than my parents. Like it was just like it was it was wild. Nobody could believe it was happening. Yeah, um, and I think, and then. And I think just being raised around this like weird hyper awareness of of parental age, like I don't know that other kids were like thinking about that, but for some reason, people talked about it all the time. Like they couldn't believe, you know. I've I have siblings that are ten years apart. Interesting. And, um, Whoa. Yeah. So That's anyway, huge. yeah, it's a huge gap. So I anyway. mean,
1: I I really like. um the well and I feel like I wasn't really necessarily um that young when I had because I mean it all comes down to like background doesn't it like my parents were children when they had me sometimes I feel like they're my children um and you know it's like so having a child at 33 felt like pretty advanced spot you know and then right but honestly it's like at 40 I think it would have even been better because it's like there's just no, there's no like mining the past for satisfaction. There's no regret. There's like nothing I didn't get to do. There's nothing I resent them for preventing me from getting to do or see or, or you know, and it's like, not that you would, but I just feel really resolved and and happy about like, well, this is, this is what this part of my life is for now is this.
0: Oh, I totally and so know I what you so I love,
1: mean. yeah, I love that you guys are thinking about it right now. And I think probably forty is better than thirty. Honestly, I hate the term
0: geriatric pregnancy. You don't let that scare you. <laughs> it's so it's so serious. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's 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 funny. I think that that is that has sort of ended up being true. Is that I'm at this place in my life where, like, you know, I already moved to, I already moved out of the center of the city during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I already like have a dog. I already like have a i mean it's like i'm already i'm already here i already yeah. i like really did like rock star version of life, like really did it, yeah, um, and it's funny when it's funny that anything can become boring, like <laughs> like something that people are like, how what an exciting thing, but it's just like, no, anything can become boring if you do it enough times, you know, like yeah, and so for me, it does feel like the exciting thing on my horizon is like yeah getting to do this thing that I never thought I'd be able to do, yeah I'm excited for you too and any if you decide to go through with the process, you guys
1: and you want to talk it over with another you know queer couple that's your age and went through a unique um experience, you can call us anytime, and specifically, yes. if you want to talk about the body stuff, call calf you'll probably have a lot a lot in common about it, actually,
0: oh my God, yes. Taking you up on this. Yes. Yeah, do, really do. Yes. That's that's what we have to do for each other because, you know, yeah.
1: the world has not done that for us.
0: No, it's true. So can I, I want to ask one more question about this because we're almost at the end of our time. So do you feel like that that has changed over the life of your kids? Like, do you feel like the not having their, no, like, road ahead of you, is that less now or is that still the same? You know, like, beyond having the kids, raising the kids, do you still feel like that as queer people, we don't have a, a path?
1: Um, Good question. I haven't thought about that because now I actually do feel like I have a, a peer community, even the ones that, that aren't queer. I do feel like heterosexual people can't fathom the process of gestation and conceiving and childbirth. And then even that first couple of years with all the complications, hormones and breastfeeding and roles being established that you don't necessarily want established or, you know, whatever the case, that's not something that, that um, heterosexual people can relate to. And in those times you feel really alone. Um, but now, you know, kids choose their favorite parents, not based on gender, but other things. And it comes and goes, the changes like my, my, the youngest has been in a mommy, I'm mama, and the youngest has been in a mommy phase for like six months. It's been driving me crazy. And this morning, she wakes up and she goes, mama, can I have the snuggle spot with you this morning? And I was like, yes, I'm getting her back. <laughs> um, but it's, so now I can really relate to my straight friends that have kids and stuff like that. And I feel way less isolated. So raising kids um, at this point is for me really just a humorous and relaxing but wow. still daunting process
0: wow Brandy that is that is so interesting um yeah and it makes a lot of sense to me I can't tell you how happy I am that we were able to talk again me too and, um, I feel like it should be a regular thing at this point now we just get to decide to be friends we don't have to yeah, do it on the okay. podcast we can but just but I'm be, serious like I'm gonna hold you to it no I'm interested I'm interested okay, I'm in. I'm in. Don't, good. Don't, don't worry. I'm in. I'm sorry.
1: I can um, come on a little strong. I'm a, I'm a big, no, party. I'm, I'm
0: what I'm that, that giggle was excitement. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I've, I just feel like it also was really cool. This is, you know, you don't get a chance to usually to say this kind of thing to somebody, but because I, because we talked before and like, I got to put it out in the world, you know, it's so cool to hear, um, just how much you've meant to people and how, like, the responses were so strong and awesome. And I mean, of course, I already knew that. But, like, you know, you don't usually get, like, somebody else's fan mail. <laughs> just that <as a> person. <laughs> we don't get a chance to see that. And it was really cool.
1: Oh, you got my fan—people were reaching out to you about our Well, talk just, and like, stuff.
0: you know, you get messages and stuff. Like, are yeah. really excited about this one. And and yeah. just really good to, to hear from this person. And I think it—I just, you know, I was, like, driving. Where was it? Katie and I were driving— somewhere <laughs> it was like when i knew we were going to talk again we were driving somewhere i think we were driving to malibu so that's far from where we live it's a long mm-hmm. trip and i started playing the story like as we were leaving the house to to get into the the mood of driving mm-hmm. right and uh it's like i like at least an hour drive and then the the song would end and she'd be like what do you want Next. And I'd be like, I think I want the story again. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. awesome, we listened to man. it. We listened to it like uh you you came with us the whole I think you came with us the whole trip there and the Oh whole man, I want to be a road trip girl. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. It was such a it was just so fun. So it's lovely to speak with you. Thank I had you. you shout out a queero last time, which was sure. Elton. But I mean, this is a you know we do it every episode. So, do you want to do another one?
1: Yeah. Does the person have to be queer? They, can, they should be like an icon.
0: It's whoever made you feel like you can be who you are today. They don't have totally. to be queer. Yeah. Cool. So, Brandy, you want to shout out a queer-o? I do want to shout
1: out a queer-o. I want to shout out Dolly Parton. Yes. That's, sure. That's always been uh, one of my main angels or devils on my shoulder. You can decide which one. But she made me feel like I could be myself from a very, very young age.
0: Oh, you know, there's a moment in the book where you're also talking about Code of Many Colors. I just, the... the yeah, I mean, first of all, well, number one, she also did end COVID-19, which is well, yeah. unusual. Right, she saved the world. Which is an unusual task totally. for anybody, um, but yeah. certainly for... <laughs> A legendary singer-songwriter. I mean, but I be honest, think, I feel like we should have called that.
1: Like, like,
0: we could have seen that coming. Who Who will it be? It will be Dolly, yeah. Actually, you know what? It does make sense, because she's so understated, too, with, like, mm-hmm. the work that she does and how she's changed the world. She's like—I mean, I don't know her at all, but I just—this is from afar. This is from afar. I mean, just, like, so much respect on that person. She's really important to
1: queer kids of faith, too. Really important. Her. Oh, Yeah. Her Absolutely. Faith scope is right,
0: right in line with with yours. And you've gotten to sing with her, and I mean, is that one of those times? How do you? How does one? How does one feel going into a situation of singing with Dolly? Well, I shit you not,
1: Dolly is seventy five years old, and if you sing with Dolly, you have a crush, major crush on her. Absolutely,
0: hundred percent. It's
1: like I'm, I, I'm like singing with Dolly, and I'm like, am I really? Do I really want to kiss her right now? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I have no shame about that.
0: No, I mean she's yeah she's bringing all of it all the time yep she's at a hundred she's all the things a hundred out of a hundred well Brandy thanks for your time today thank you for yours